0: Well, good morning and welcome everyone to our Sunday morning service at the Gospel Assembly Church in Mississauga. It's good to see everyone here today, and we appreciate the Lord for helping us over the past months and even the past couple of years with our streaming services. We're glad for those that are attending also remotely, and we trust that the service today would be a blessing to you. One of the things I've discovered that is uh, to uh, get the full benefit of the lesson and especially a lesson like today's going to come and Sunday's lessons are very, very important for us to uh, remember is I have two notebooks, one little scrap that I take scrap notes on quickly when the message is going on and then I go back over because when Brother Singh is teaching, it's hard to stop him and rewind him. Uh, to get the full essence. So I go back again and that's when I take the details. And uh, another thing is I avoid doing a lot of activities during his lesson when he's given, uh, because we need every part, every bit of the lesson. We wanna remember everything, we wanna grasp everything, we don't want anything to be missed. So today you get your notepads, uh, your Bibles and your pens and uh, let's pay good attention. Uh, to the service and the lesson that God has designed to give us this is a good day to be in church isn't it uh, we want to uh, uh, pray and thank God for the way he's helped us and uh, while we are praying we want to remember sister Dorcas his daughter that's not well I pray that the Lord would uh, intervene on her behalf and let's pray that God give us a great service here today why don't you join in me in prayer today father we thank you today for your mercy thank you for your love Oh Lord, it's so good to call upon you and to know that you are in control of all things and you've made us your children. Thank you for your word. Oh Father, which means so much to us. Pray God that you'll open our minds and our hearts to the truth that you want us to have. And oh God, help us to hide your word in our hearts, to live by the principles of your word. Father, that we may not sin against thee. Bless our pastor today, Lord. Anoint him with the Holy Spirit. Let him dispense your word, O oh God, to every one of us that we can receive strength, guidance, and direction, Father. We pray. Remember Sister Dorcas's daughter, that need in her life. We pray, Father, that you'll intervene on her behalf, Father. Send an angel. Touch her body. Touch her mind, O oh God. and Help her through her struggles, Father, that she can trust in you. Increase her faith and her trust and confidence in you. We ask it in Jesus' most blessed and wonderful name. We praise and we thank you. Amen and amen and amen.
1: There's a sweet, sweet peace that's in my soul. Jesus touched my spirit. soul, there's sweet, sweet peace peace in my soul. soul, oh Jesus Jesus touched my Bless your name today, Lord.
2: Be seated please. Um, we're living in a bad time you don't know uh, where you want to run and today I can stand here and says well sin all these sinners in the world are going to suffer because the hurricane Ida is it Ida? Yeah. Ida? Ida is heading toward New Orleans and it's they're expecting the storm surge the worst case scenario is from 12 to 16 feet. And that's just one of the many disasters around the world. Chandri was telling me she is into NASA and all this report coming out of NASA. They had something erupted in the sun uh, that by the ending of September the effects should affect the earth. While the sun and the moon and the stars were all not created to decorate the heavens but to influence the earth. As much as the moon controls the tide, if the moon is sh- shift out of its orbit, this world will get flooded. No, there'd be no control of the tides coming in. So when we're thinking of the beginning of sorrows, we are living in that period. And this is not the real trouble like we looked at the scripture in Daniel. It's the start of a lot of disasters. Uh, We never, I don't know when last we had a hot summer like this one. And so as we move ahead, we could say sin, and sin is the cause. Uh, The sinners out there, I can say, well, New Orleans, you know, they have too much Mardi Gras and, and voodoo and witchcraft, and that's why they're getting judged. You know, worse than Mardi Gras and voodoo and witchcraft is something called iniquity. And that's not in voodoo town, that's in the church. And it is something that you and I have to be careful that we examine where we are and what we are doing. Today, before time runs out on me, I want to uh, turn your attention uh, to a scripture in Titus. Uh, In the uh, in the Paul's letter to Titus just before uh, Hebrews Uh, you have Timothy and then you have a little epistle that Paul wrote to Titus and this is a very uh, strong epistle and you know I did not forgive me but I did not check the history of Titus I know when Paul was writing his last letter in one page before the book of Titus in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, uh, he says in verse 10, Demas had forsaken me and has, uh, loved, because he has loved this present world or present age and he has departed unto Thessalonica. Now I just read between the lines and I know that Thessalonica had become a worldly church while Paul was still alive. And Demas wanted to go, he loving this present world, he is on his way to visit uh, what used to be a body of Christ's church in Thessalonica, but it had been, it was undermined by ungodly, worldly traits and whatever. I'm sure they didn't close the church down. I'm sure they had church, I'm sure they still fasted and prayed. at uh, 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 Demas, uh, he forsook Paul That is sad That part of the verse is sad He forsook Paul And went to Thessalonica What a good excuse I'm going to visit the church in Thessalonica But Paul said he loved this present world And is gone to visit that church And then he goes on further on here And he says And departed to Thessalonica And He didn't say Christians Had forsaken him but he says Christians who probably spent a lot of time visiting Paul when he was in Rome, Christians was gone to Galatia. But then, I'm understanding now, where the churches of Galatia, which were once body of Christ's churches, had deteriorated and went uh, under the influence of iniquity, backslidden from their position and standing. And the answer is yes. Uh, When Paul, before his death, and this is long before he is writing, Timothy, he said when he was writing to the churches of Galatia, uh, you all know the churches, right? Lystra, Iconium, Derbe, and Antioch. Four churches in Galatia had backslidden, started to backslide. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed for him that called you into the grace of christ unto another gospel while the apostle who started these churches of galatia was alive he saw the deterioration of those churches iniquity entered into the church and undermine every single church they had in galatia and so when christians is gone to galatia i don't need to read I can read between the lines he's gone to some backslidden churches I gotta get into the ministry and do some work for God here Are uh, you saints? excuse me brother Paul forgive me but I'm have to go visit the churches of Galatia I would have stayed with Paul Amen. I would not have left him yes, sir. I would have said the church can take care of themselves I'm gonna be with this man because he's my apostle and he is about to suffer and be executed I want to stick with him that is why I take my hat off to Luke and then he goes on here and he says Titus is gone to Dalmatia Uh, now I'm not sure if Titus backslid but he didn't say anything like that reading between the lines uh, Titus was gone he had a trip somewhere and I don't know of a church in Dalmatia but um, he was gone there. So Titus was a young man that Paul thought important enough to write an epistle to. This letter to Titus is not written to you and I, but we can look at this letter and gather some information, especially those of us that are planning to be elders in the church or those of us that are in the ministry. All right, and so Paul here in Titus, the first chapter, He says, Paul is servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. And he goes on here and said some beautiful things. He says to Titus verse four, my own son after the common faith. My own son, isn't this wonderful? You know, I remember There were times when Brother Goodwin called me His son He said, son And um, it was a blessing Of course he called me son one day And the next day he called me old woman But but, you know, he was my teacher He had more to give me Than his little rebukes Here and there And so when he called me an old woman I was talking too much Uh, You know, that did not make me backslide And leave the work of God No, there was this harmony and connection I have had with him that uh, that I think when I'm looking back if I were to judge David on his flaws I wouldn't read a psalm anymore if I was to judge Moses on his rebellion and what he did in the early stages and hold that against him I would not have confidence in Moses if I looked at Abraham And being a man that had no faith when he started, but he took his family when God says, leave your family behind. And he went and when he got into the promised land that God promised him, a famine drove him away from that land. If I looked at his failures, I would not recognize the father of faith that he grew into. That's why this book is so beautiful. I look at Paul the Apostle. And he is one of my greatest champions. And he said, "I." he says, um, uh, the, when I would do good, evil is present with me. He says, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. He says, "There because of the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of the devil to buffet me. I don't know what that is, but it was not a good thing. But it was a thing that god permitted in paul's life if god wanted us to know what it was he would have written it right but whatever it was it was something that made this man humble kept him from being exalted and when he said i've not yet apprehended that which the lord has apprehended me for i can say the same thing he says but forgetting the things which are behind how many people he had killed and put in jail he stood there and saw the stoning of Stephen and Stephen was a very strong man and Stephen uh, stood up there and preached against iniquity that was in Israel uh, he reminded them of the iniquity that destroyed the nation see Paul stood there took the cloak of those that wanted that were going to stone Stephen and he saw a young young man zealous for god martyred no wonder when the lord stopped him on the road to damascus he says lord who art thou mm-hmm. i asked the lord all the time lord can you make yourself a little more real to me that i'm not praying to uh, the wrong thing last night when we sang holy father have your way that was beautiful yeah. holy father have your way because i believe that holy spirit have your way was probably written by someone with a little trinity background but when i changed that i didn't sing any different i sing holy father have your way because it is his spirit that must work so we're getting getting some of these little frills off but paul uh, this great man, he says, I've not yet apprehended. I can say the same thing. I'm a whole lot different. I'm not even close to Paul. I can't even unlatch his, uh, his shoes. Uh, but uh, I examine myself and I'm glad. These examples are in scripture for my benefit. There is coming one day in my life when I could say, I have, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand I have fought a good fight I finished my course I have kept the faith Henceforth there is labor for me A crown of righteousness And when I'm thinking of these Biblical examples I'm so glad that God has given us So many examples Well when Paul is writing To Titus his own son uh, The churches of Galatia Was gone uh, the church at Corinth was gone. Uh, the church at uh, Thessalonica became worldly. Uh, you look at this man, uh, wh- wh- what you got, Brother Paul? What, what did you build? Oh, I built a big movement here, brother, that when my funeral is there, there'll be thousands of people. No? According to the word, when you look at that man, he died like a loser, according to worldly standards. According to God, he was a winner Amen. according to the world those recorded in Hebrews 11 chapter were losers dead died in the caves uh, being destitute and afflicted according to God they had a good report so according to the world Jeremiah he did not successfully defeat iniquity working in Israel according to the world Isaiah did not successfully defeat iniquity But iniquity worse was one of the worst than sins you can ever have it is when God's people introduce among themselves Situations that God has not approved it is called iniquity and that is why you and I in this church you pray for me because I want to pray That God would give me direction And I wish he would because he has always led me Give me direction That I would not follow a path that is contrary to God I'm listening to a tape Chandri was playing and in that tape I mentioned a dream that I had that uh, we were having a meeting about to have a meeting And we came and we you know when we are having a meeting how we're careful paint the walls Get the carpet shampoo everything was done we shampooed everything and got it done. And then I, I left, and I, I said, "Let me come back and give a last check and see what's going on." And when I came back, we had the place all clean and tidy, I came and found a family that belongs to this church, um, that were here in this church, and they're hanging up old dirty drapes. and they put a big area rug that's dingy. And I came on in, I said, we already shampooed the place and got it clean. What's wrong? I said, well, remove all that junk. It was a dream. And these dreams that I have, some of them I forget about them until they, come, they get fulfilled. And I reminded this church of a dream I had just last week. Where I was going to uh, prison, To Chandri was in jail. And I was going to release her from jail. It's like when you, I go visit these brothers at once in jail. I went to, to release her from jail and she's coming out. But she does not want to come out from prison. And the people, the warden and the people in the prison wanted her to stay. And there was this battle. She did not want to come. Well, I'm here to free you. But she didn't want to come. And I woke up from that dream, and I. whenever I dream about my wife, it's the, my church. And as I'm preaching this lesson to you today, there might be iniquity that we have existing in our midst that we need God to help us with. We need God to help us because as we look back, Israel had this problem. When Paul, uh, hold your finger uh, in Titus, uh, but when Paul was uh, ready to stone Stephen in the seventh chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, one of the longest uh, messages preached uh, in this Bible, Stephen stood up. And a young man, he was not, he was not a, a <clears throat> one of the apostles. He was just an, an elder, an usher, a bishop, a little a worker deacon in the church. And Stephen here, they got him together and he started from chapter 7, the whole chapter coming all the way down. But the part I want to bring to your attention, he talks here in verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he, this is Moses that was in the church, in the wilderness with the angel. The angel of the Lord that led Israel through the wilderness was Jesus. He is described as that angel that led Israel through the wilderness. Uh, Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction uh, with, uh, what he says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the children of God. Esteeming the reproach of Christ Jesus dealt with Moses in the wilderness And Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ Greater riches than the treasures of Egypt And here it says, here Stephen is preaching And they're all listening He says, uh, to whom are fathers He is referring to the Jewish people He is referring to the apple of God's eye He is referring to those that God elected to be a nation to serve him. But ever so often, whether it's Isaiah, and I'm looking at it, my mind is all over the place here. Whether it's Isaiah, I have my finger in in, in Titus, I've got my finger in, in Acts the seventh chapter. I'm turning quickly back to Isaiah, the first chapter, where Isaiah is having the same problem. Every prophet in the Bible, Had the same problem with God's people. Because a prophet is not a pastor. A prophet is a man that comes, shows up when he has to tell you about your sin. A prophet shows up when he has to tell you about iniquity that's working there. And um, Isaiah said in chapter 1, he says, Ah, verse 4, sinful nation. He's calling the nation of Israel a sinful nation. Did they think they were sinful? No, no. iniquity is so subtle; it's no wonder call a mystery. It is so subtle that you would think you're really serving God with all your offerings and everything like that. You think you're serving God, but you're not. And so He says, "Ah, sinful nation, a people laden, laden with iniquity." Uh, he says a seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors they have forsaken the lord and have provoked the holy one of israel you think they knew they forsook the lord no they did not because you read further on in that same chapter uh, he says in verse uh, 11 to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me were they offering offerings and sacrifices to God? Yes, they got a, the they, they, the mechanics of their religion was there. They offered sacrifices. He says, yet the Lord." The Lord says, "I'm full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beast. and I delight not in the blood of bullocks and of lambs and of he goats." You see, they were doing all the mechanics of religion, but somewhere in the midst of all of that, it was undermined by human principles, human customs, human practices, that iniquity was working in the midst of them. They were incorporating things that belonged to an ungodly society, and it became a sin. Iniquity is a sin. So when a hurricane hit, an ungodly nation that has voodoo and Mardi Gras and all kinds of funny stuff, don't point your finger. Be busy to examine your own life. Where do we fail? Oh, we can condemn people. We're so quick to condemn. But are we any better? If iniquity is working in our midst, if the customs that we have incorporated after years is not completely approved by God, We've got iniquity working in our midst When we have a prayer line and 30 people are in line When when that prayer line is over the preacher has laryngitis and nobody gets healed We need more of the power of God in our midst it's not going to come by mechanics And then uh, 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 Isaiah went on here And he condemned all this Big, he says when you come to appear Before me, verse 12 Who hath required this at your hand To tread my courts? He says why are you coming to church? Why are you coming to the temple? When you fall so full of your own ways God is particular How we worship him See this church here The body of Christ Here in Mississauga is not infallible. The possibility of iniquity being in our midst is very strong because if a church like Jerusalem went under and the churches of Galatia went under and the church at Colossae went under and the church of Thessalonica went under and the church of Rome became the seat of the greatest apostasy of all time, what makes us think we are free from the devil's onslaught? When the devil can take a wise man like King Solomon and make an idiot out of him by the time he comes to the end of his life, what makes us think that we cannot be deceived? If ever there was a time for us to continuously examine ourselves, it is now. Why would God, in chapter 1 of Isaiah, he says here in verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, Uh, verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. And give heir unto the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. What was going on in the church? What did they in cooperate in the temple that resulted in an ungodly, iniquitous lifestyle? Why would the Lord call the leaders rulers of Sodom and the people he called people of Gomorrah? Why in chapter uh, 3, he says here in chapter 3 in verse 8, he says, and Jerusalem is ruined, uh, verse 8, and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of of his glory. It says, they show their countenance, the show of their countenance does witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. And they hide it not. Did God have a reason for call them you rulers of Sodom and your people of Gomorrah? Is it possible that Sodomy had moved on in and slowly start to undermine the uh, that, that work of God in that period of time? We've got an enemy that will not close us down. He has just undermine us so we can function like the rest of society. And had it not been for the remnant in chapter 1 of Isaiah and uh, verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we would have been made as Sodom and uh, we would have been like unto Gomorrah. That remnant that were still serving God and loved God, like Simeon loved God in the apostasy of his time, and Anna loved God in the apostasy of her time. Had it not been for the remnant, Israel would have been wiped out. But God always has a remnant. Those that see what God wants them to see. And so here in Acts the 7th chapter, back in Acts the 7th chapter, and Stephen stood up, he says, verse 39, To whom our fathers would not obey, but trust him from them, and their hearts turned back again unto Egypt while moses brought them out of the bondage and slavery their inward parts were not converted physically they're out spiritually mentally they're still in bondage you see you can come out of the world physically and you can come on into the church and says i'm out of babylon are you Because conversion changes us from the inside. And we're to please God from within us. So we, every one of us, need to pray ever so often, Lord, do I need a fresh conversion? Would you give me a fresh start today? Help me, O oh God, to follow your paths. Because Stephen is going on here. He says, uh, he says they said unto Aaron, uh, verse 40, Moses is when he went up to pray and seek God on the mountain for just 40 days <clears throat> the moment he was gone and that is why leaders are afraid that when they die the work will go to hell but it doesn't always happen that way because when Moses died the work was better off under Joshua because nobody rebelled under the leadership of Joshua Israel served God all the days of Joshua And all of the days of the men that followed Joshua. It doesn't have to be destroyed. But most of God's work, most of the churches in the body of Christ, deteriorates after a while. And he says here, he says, and they said, Make us gods that will go before us. For this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we what not has become of him. Uh, and, 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 And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifices unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Uh, The people here were backslidden and their old mentality of Egyptian fables, Egyptian fantasies was never out of their hearts. And that is why as you sit here listening to me today, or you're listening to me online what is there in our hearts that God need to eliminate that belongs to pagan customs and practices of our past superstitions and things that belong to the past and it says there, saying unto Aaron make us a golden calf and they made a calf and he verse 42 and God turned and God turned uh, it says there and God turn and uh, give them up to worship the host of heaven. So God says, Okay, y'all want that? I'm gonna let you all go now into deep apostasy. I'm gonna let iniquity take care of you because if you reject the truth, God will send strong delusions that you believe a lie and be damned. The truth might come from an idiot looking man like John the Baptist. And the Lord took this son of a priest Sent him into the wilderness So when he came out He didn't look like the son of a priest anymore That alone upset people You know the greatest enemies to missions Are prejudice and indifference I read that when I was a kid The greatest enemies to uh, missions Are prejudice and indifference With ignorance being the mother of both Now, that's a great statement, but I changed it. The greatest enemies to the work of God is prejudice and indifference with spiritual blindness being the mother of both. Spiritual blindness makes you fail to see the reality of your life and how you're serving God. In your heart, you know you're a hypocrite but you want the world to feel that you're really serving God. God is not like that. God wants 100% when it's all over. And, they, and God gave them up to worship the host of heaven as it is written. As it is, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O house of Israel, Have you offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? Yeah, you took up the tabernacle of Molech. These are gods that belong to pagan nations. The tabernacle of Molech. And the star, they actually worship the star. I'm quiet. Because if we get carried away with an emblem or symbol or something that's not important, be careful. Because it might have its origin From a pagan, demonic source that is sitting there and you make an idol out of it. Stephen got killed because he exposed this. He says, uh, he says, you took up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your God, Rephan, figures which you made to worship them and I will carry you away beyond Babylon and he goes on and he condemns them. And you know, when it was all over, they drag him out and they put him up there and they stone him. But I respect this man called Stephen. Yes, sir. I respect him because he did not compromise with the paganisms and the fables of their day. When Paul is writing to Titus here, and quickly follow with me, I'm looking at the clock. I got like eight minutes to go. All right, <clears throat> follow it. I'll break the law today. today. I'll go maybe five after uh, 11. And uh, Paul is writing to Titus, and he says about Titus, he said in verse 5, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou should chapter 1, verse 5, set in order things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee, and he says, for an elder, if and you appoint an elder, not to make him blameless, but he must be blameless before you appoint him. He says he must be blameless, the husband of one wife at a time. Now, I'm not saying if somebody um, the marriage went bad and they have to remarry, that's a problem. But I know some individuals that change wives like you change shirts. No, I don't see that as something that should be done. But a person might have a bad marriage and their ungodly partner might decide they don't want to serve God. Then you're supposed to move on with your life. But he says an elder, a bishop must be the husband of one wife. I preached a lesson like this in Haiti. And, um, you know, we were there in that meeting and uh, preached a lesson in Haiti. I think it was Haiti that I preached that lesson and demons came and attacked me because that was not the end of it and I said he must it was from Timothy it says he must not be given to wine that was a main spot because i heard there were ministers in Haiti and some ministers in Africa that when they have a ministers meeting they share wine And before long, a few of the brothers became drunkards. How to deal with that problem. Well, I said, when I was in Haiti, I said, Not given to wine, period. Not a little bit in the weekend. No, your bishop, not given to wine, period. Anyhow, I'm not worrying about wine. I'm worrying about iniquity and fables here today. He says, uh, faithful, you must have uh, a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot, unruly. A bishop must be blameless. Man of God wants to be an elder or a bishop, he must be blameless. As distort of God is able to manage his affairs right, not self-will, I'm going to do my own thing. You got to change the attitude. He says, not soon angry, somebody step on your toe, you want to kill them. No, a bishop must be able to control his temper. He says, not given to wine, no striker, he like to fight back. Not given to money, filthy lucre, that's a big deal for some people. He says, but a lover of hospitality. Here's Brother Dan, that's a man that loves hospitality. You hang around Brother Dan He's going to take you to his house COVID really wrecked us all up But um, uh, that's a man given to hospitality And I, it's a character a characteristic I appreciate in an individual Not, He must be given to hospitality Right? It says uh, of good men Lover of good men Sober, holy, uh, just, holy Temperate, holding fast The faithful word as he has been taught and then it comes down further down here it says he says uh, not verse uh, verse 14 not giving heed to Jewish Jewish fables see what moved on in out of the old testament and came on in and start to move into the church were fables Jewish fables everybody say fables see we were brought up on nursery rhymes and I the good thing about being brought up on a nursery rhyme there's nothing good really but the good thing about it is you know when something is a fable you know that hey diddle diddle no cat runs away with a fiddle and no cow jumps over the moon you know that but you'll sit in church and someone preach a fable to you and you believe it even though there's no scriptural foundation. That it stands on. Because 90% of the people in church here in North America today are listening to fables. Amen. They believe when they die they're not dead. They believe that Satan is an ugly imp, you just rebuke him and he's gone. You know? They believe that the soul is immortal. They believe there's a literal cauldron. Called hell that you'll burn and pop and fry because god wants you fried forever and ever and ever Believing in fables out there Is not a problem for us Believing in fables in our own lives. That's the problem And paul is writing to churches to a young man and telling him about fables He says not giving Giving, not giving heed to Jewish fables And commandments of men That turn from the truth Over in First Timothy uh, Just quickly with me here uh, Which is just a few pages back In First Timothy uh, Paul is writing to Timothy He's also a young man That I admire <clears throat> Here in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy uh, verse 3 He says I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus See, Paul sent these men out. Uh, Titus was sent to ordain elders, right? Timothy is sent here. He says, go to Ephesus. Uh, When I was, uh, abide still in Ephesus, when I uh, went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some. Timothy was to charge some. He was not sent to a church to just have good dinners and fun time. He was sent there like a prophet to go on in and charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither to give heed. Not only was Titus warned, but Timothy was also warned not to give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying. He says, now the end of the commandment, he says the most important thing about living for God The end, the climax of living for God is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and a faith that is not feigned. In chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, uh, Paul writes again, how important is this subject that we don't fall under the influence of Jewish fables or fables where we are coming from. You know last night Brother Sam mentioned how important it is When God sent Jeremiah He says for him to pull up To root out To throw down And then to plant How much should he pull up? Three quarters? Should he Ignore anything. No, his job was to pull up until all the ungodliness was rooted up. And there might be things planted in our lives that when someone is pulling it, it's pulling on our spirit. If God has not approved it, pull it up. We need God. You see, I can tell you, and I can say, here are my principles. No, no, no. We need to pray that the Lord, the vision that John had... That this Lord says measure the temple and measure the altar and measure them that worship therein that be fulfilled. We must have a measurement that comes from God not from apostasy or some pagan source yes. fables. He says if you put the brethren in remembrance of this uh, in verse 6 1st Timothy 4 6 he says thou shalt um, be a good minister. A good minister of Jesus Christ, nurtured up in the words of the faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, he says, but refuse. All wives' fables, not Jewish fables now, goes beyond Jewish fables. It might be Guyanese fables, it might be North Canadian fables, it may be might be traditional fables, fables of some sort. Wherever it's coming from we need to examine everything that we do and make sure we're not just building a social club or a pagan Christian pagan temple I can't wait for this cross to be removed This was worshiped in the past and when you put it high up in the church That's what the pagans did Their symbols You ever saw a Muslim temple With a half moon right up on top You ever saw a Mormon temple With Moroni, that angel standing on top Well When God bless you Give me some money Tear this thing down And put some nice things at the back That we don't see the cross Remember the singers is preaching And believe it or not I love the thing It does look good In the night when you take a picture of this It does look good But that is If God detests it Then we want it out What would you say? Amen And Paul went on here He says But refuse old wives' tables And exercise thyself more to godliness He says And bodily exercising When you get up there And start to fight yourself in the pulpit It profited Uh, Godly exercise, godliness is profitable little And godliness is profitable unto all Having promise of the life that now is This is so beautiful One last scripture Maybe two more scriptures and then I'm done Alright, in 2 Timothy uh, Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy uh, Paul is closing off This is the last letter he wrote The last letter Paul wrote And he writes like this He says, verse 3, he says, uh, verse uh, 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come. He is prophesying that in the future, Timothy, the time will come when the saints will not endure strong holiness preaching. People like a democracy operate in the church where they tell the preacher what to do. God prefers theocracy where he tells us how to live. And he says when they will heap to them after their own lusts. They will heap to themselves teachers because they the people have itching ears. And when that is happening when people are just want to be entertained. And you got a preacher, you know, brother, you got the anointing. Nobody got healed, nobody got touched, nobody got delivered, but his voice is called anointing. His voice is judged. When I scream, and I did that a few times, I don't have time to tell you all of that today, but um, I actually pulled one. I had a preacher sitting next to me in one of the meetings. And he was very emotional and he's making all this noise and I said, let me see if he's were operating in the flesh. I said, amen. And he said, whoo, hoo hoo." And I said, flesh. I was my friend. He happened to be my friend. But I did that and he jumped. And before he it, his foot was up like this. And I said, gotcha. And Paul writes, he says, and they will turn their ears from the truth and we turn unto fables, fables. Everybody say fables. See, fables are things that God has not approved that we brought on into the church. It's iniquity. One last scripture in Peter. And um, uh, let's see here, Peter. We, we did not even uh, complete Titus the way I wanted in Second Peter, uh, just to the end of your Bible almost, Second Peter and chapter 1. And verse 16, Peter had the same problem. And he said, here in chapter 1 and verse 16, he says, And we have not followed, we have not, we, the apostles, have not followed cunningly devised fables. This is the problem. Not following cunningly devised fables. The devil would not just bring fables in, he would have a crafty way of introducing it. To make you get some goosebumps and you feel God is in it. Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. May God help us that we don't fabricate or follow after cunningly devised fables. We need God to help us. The body of Christ is not secured so much that we ought to be naive to anything that's coming in. Because from history, the work of God has always been held in captivity. Everything God has started, the devil, his job is to undermine it. That's his job. Our responsibility is to recognize the enemy and keep the devil out of the work of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this Sunday that we can be in your house. We ask, Father, that this message would reach on into our hearts and change our lives and our perspective of things. Help us, Lord, not to follow cunningly devised fables, but your word and your guidance and your leading, Father. Today, Lord, as America is facing a destructive hurricane coming on the island, we pray, Father, that you'll show mercy to your people. Show mercy to your people, Father. Help us, Lord, in our lives, not to live at the wrong location, but to follow your will rather than our lust. Help your people in that region, we pray. And have mercy in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.